You're listening to the Her Business Beat podcast, where real women share how purpose drives profits and how life harmony can exist with your hustle. I'm Geneva Moresma, the founder of Hearts and Heels, a networking group for women where we work together for flourishing businesses and come together through enriching education and joyful relationships. Whether you're a part-time business owner or a fast-scaling entrepreneur who is also a conscientious leader, you can create soul-led success by fueling your greatest ambitions with pure heart. So pour yourself a cup of coffee or a glass of cab, pop in your AirPods, and get ready to check your purpose pulse to create work that matters and the success you desire. On today's episode of Her Business Beat, we're going to be speaking with Christine Peters-Staggs. She's the owner of Cornerstone Financial Coaching, an independent financial coach, and we're going to be talking about money considerations for growing and scaling businesses. Welcome, Christine. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. We're happy to have you and to have another conversation on money. Before we got on, we were talking about how we can laugh when we talk about money and it doesn't have to be this big, ugly, scary thing. Um, Absolutely. Right? We're going to, to pull some laughter into today's podcast, I'm sure, and just have some real talk. But before we do that, I would love for you to just share a little bit about your background, how you got into financial coaching. And for maybe some of our audience that's unfamiliar with what a financial coach does versus, let's say, a financial advisor. I know some people get confused with those. If you can kind of maybe just give us a quick explanation of those differences. Sure. So my background started in the credit union industry. I spent 25 years in the credit union world up in Western New York State, and I just loved the philosophy and I loved helping people do more with their money using the products and services that we were able to offer in that environment and container of a full service financial institution. I my background by educational purposes is accounting. Mm-hmm. So I have a degree in accounting. I also am a CPA. Um, I was both in New York and here in Florida now. And I was fortunate enough to work hard, combination of work hard and be in the right place at the right time to be both the CFO of my credit union for eight years and then the president and CEO for 10. So I was able to really be involved in all the things that went into creating products and services to help our members. And when I moved to Florida, that was uh, part of a rebalancing of my life and realignment. It had to do with my faith that I wanted to put more into uh, balancing my personal life with my career. And I moved here because I have family here and I had to figure out what my encore career was going to be. And after doing a little bit of exploration, I should say a lot of it is kind of fell into financial coaching. And what I found was It's a way that I can use all those same skills. We're talking about helping people do more with their money, be happier about their money, be able to enjoy their money. But now I do it in a consultative manner, one-to-one and sometimes one-to-many. And I absolutely love it because I get to see the impact I'm having. Sometimes as a CEO, you're a few levels removed from seeing all the great results that you're getting for your people. Yes, but what a rich background that you bring to the table 
having had so many years in the banking and finance industry that way. So that's wonderful. And we're glad that you got led into this place now to use those skills and talents. So when people wonder what a coach does versus a financial advisor, how would you explain that difference? That is one of the biggest questions that I get. It's also one of the most confusing things for people out there because to a great degree as a financial coach, I am giving, quote, advice about money. However, the term financial advisor is a very specific term for a licensed professional that mainly focuses on investments, retirement funds, some insurance products that are all very highly regulated and, like I said, have to be licensed. And they're basically looking at the long-term future of helping you grow your money and set yourself up for the future, retirement, life insurance, and all those big things for the long range. Whereas I'm helping with the day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year, often helping people free up the money Mm -hmm. that they want to free up to be able to contribute to those long-term investment and retirement type goals that they have. I like that explanation. And I think that helps clarify for some people that these are two services that can work together, that you can have both in your life. It's not choosing one thing or the other thing. You can be managing what you have now and planning for a successful retirement. Absolutely. I often, often partner with financial advisors because it doesn't do any good to sit down with an advisor who helps you dream for the future and then tells you in order to get there, you need to give them, say, $100,000 a year to be where you want to be because you waited a long time to start this process. And then you feel defeated because you say, well, I don't have that much money available Mm -hmm. in my current budget, in my current life. Mm -hmm. Um, experience. So it's a very good, it's a great partnership, but unfortunately the terminology does get confused. Yes. Yes. So we're going to move into some really interesting conversation. And I think that these are timely topics to talk about finances and money, because I think most Americans and especially entrepreneurs right now, we're very much aware of just the fact that we're we're living in some tighter economic times. We are we all grocery shop. We can all tell that eggs have gone up and just the cost of living has gone up since we, you know, came out of pandemic and just some things have shifted in our world. So we obviously have to continue working. We are wanting to scale and grow. Everybody would like to make more money. And a lot of times that involves bringing in staff and growing your actual personnel. So I think these are talks that are important to have. It's important for us to be able to talk about money in such a way that is constructive, productive, and hopefully leads to better things and that we can weather the current storm potentially we see ourselves in. I know for myself, I remember going through the um, hard times of 2008 when (laughs) things were crashing all around. And uh, I was young in business. I'd only been in business for two years at that point and was scared to death. I'm like, what do you mean I started a business? And now there's like bad things happening in the economy. But 
you know, I can wear an I Survive t-shirt for that uh, period of life. But the fact of the matter is that whether it's current or it's going to be future, we are going to go through ebbs and flows in our economy. It's just kind of fact of the matter. So we need to be prepared to to weather those storms just the same way we live in Florida. <laughs> we have to have our houses built up to certain codes so we can weather weather as it comes each year, right? Absolutely. So I know because you've got this great um, experience in, in banking, let's talk about for a minute as somebody goes from maybe being a party of one in their business to hiring, maybe it's a, a small staff or they've got to hire fast and they need lots of people. What are some considerations for bank accounts that they should think about as they are getting ready to grow and scale? Sure. I love talking about banking. So let me just qualify that. Yeah. If, if I start getting high pitched, that's why. First of all, <laughs> one of my favorite sayings is knowledge is power. That is truly so applicable to your money in particular. So as you go from, as you said, party of one, the way you manage your personal finances is probably the way you manage your business because you are that same entity when you're first starting out and you're it's just you. So the first piece of advice I can give is keep up and know what's going on in your bank accounts. And for sure, I think as still being a CPA, even though I'm not a tax expert, that was never my particular focus. One of the first rules that I think everyone in professional finance can attest to is you have to separate in some way your personal and your business finances. Mm -hmm. You definitely don't want to get to the end of the year and just have this jumbled up, commingled account with everything you've done personally and professionally. But I do see sometimes very small business owners, solopreneurs, independent contractors, people like that mm -hmm. who might jump the gun a little bit in thinking that they have to get the big fancy business account and the articles of incorporation and all the corporate credit cards and all those kinds of things. Because for the most part, those things flow through to you personally and you can accomplish what you need to do simply by having an account that allows you to have maybe two different checking accounts, one for personal spending mm -hmm. and, and other kinds of financial things, and the other one for your business. Mm -hmm. And that can do the trick and is often a lot less expensive, a lot fewer fees, and is just fine for for you at that point. Obviously, as you start to grow, you get into having employees and things like that, you for sure are going to want to have a much more robust type of account. And it also depends upon what you actually do. Mm -hmm. So are you selling a product? Are you a high volume type of business where you need an account that can handle hundreds or thousands of items a month versus somebody who is invoicing three or four clients a month. Those right. are, those are very it's true. Different. Ser service based versus product based businesses could yeah. be very different. And the, the one other thing I would say on the banking side, which is actually more on the loan side, sometimes we think about wanting a loan or a credit card in the name of the business. Mm -hmm. You can do that. And by the time you're incorporated and have employees and all those things, absolutely. But one thing to note is, as a former underwriter myself is that for anything substantial, say 
you're going to have to buy a building based on the type of business you have. For anything substantial, even if you do it in the name of the business, most lenders are going to require you to sign a personal guarantee. Mm. So to the extent that you're jumping through hoops to try to protect yourself from any liability or to protect your personal assets, mm-hmm. once you sign a personal guarantee, you've brought those things into the picture. Right. So I just suggest for anything like that, have a great team around you, be able to speak to your banker and your lender, but also have your CPA and your attorney making sure that what you're pulling together with any big transaction like that is going to actually serve you well. Good advice. Very good advice. And and like you said, you know, as, as people are growing and they may need to buy a building structure if they have brick and mortar or a production office or something like that, like those are things people definitely need to do with counsel around them that are experts in that area so that they are doing something that's beneficial and and does protect them as much as possible. But understand that there are times, like you said, where there may be personal guarantees. And so you don't want to have that misconception that just because I'm an LLC that like, if I default this loan, like there's no compromise, there's nothing, nothing going to come at me. And and especially if you think of it as though you break lending down to its most basic, if someone asks you to borrow a thousand dollars, and they're trying to convince you that they're good for it, and that they have a great idea, and they're going to be able to pay you back, But when you say, are you willing to let me hold on to something of yours that's a prized possession? And they say, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not willing to put (laughs) any additional security up. I'm not willing to risk anything. Mm -hmm. That speaks volumes about how committed and how much they really believe in it. And that's the same kind of idea as what lenders go through to try to evaluate if this business owner really is all in and yeah. to this, if they say, I'm not willing to risk any of my financial mm-hmm. resources personally, then you might be giving them the hint that you're not all that sure. It's yeah. Gonna yeah. Work out. That's yeah. part of the reason why lenders like to see fully invested, both emotionally, mentally, and financially. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah, whether it's a a business purchase or I know I have done two home loans as a self-employed individual and and they do ask for a whole lot of stuff when you're self-employed and you understand it it feels it can feel invasive. Like, gosh, like how many statements do I need to produce and how many more years of stuff do I need to give them? But you do understand that it's a risk for a bank, an institution to take whether you are corporately employed or a small business, but right, they're trying to make sure, and it's also for your own protection that you don't get into a product that's not the best fit for you or that you are, as was happening back in 06, 07, being given loans that really are way bigger than what you should be given. And hence why we had so many people, including small business owners that ended up going through awful things like foreclosures during that time. So I I love the idea though of just getting a good team around you so that you make really sound decisions as you're trying to grow and make sure that the banking products you have are are sufficient for your needs and for your growth. So speaking of that, I know a topic that you're also passionate about is thinking about small businesses as they're growing and they're pulling in employees. Let's talk about just philosophy on 
keeping employees loyal to you and feeling a certain way, having a sense of security, which I think is an, another important thing to talk about right now because we're all hyper-conscious of our finances. Absolutely. And honestly, I sort of come at this wearing two different hats. One of them is my financial expertise. And the other one is that of someone who, as the CEO of a smaller credit union, I can put that into perspective by saying over the 18 years that I was with that credit union, I had employees of maybe an average of 50 employees. I'll just Mm -hmm. leave it at that. Of course, it ebbs and flows, but still a very small business in the scheme of things. Right. And we had to compete for talent. Everyone has to compete for talent in business. And the smaller the business, often the financial resources are a little bit leaner Mm -hmm. and you need to try to do more with less to the best of your ability. And sometimes that means you're not competing with the same offer, the same salaries, say, mm-hmm. as the other competitors, yeah. even other, even if it's not a competitor, other organizations that that particular person might be qualified to work for. That when someone's looking for a job, they're looking at their skills and what they can do. and in order to attract good talent and to retain good talent, because it's so expensive to have turnover happening and have people constantly quitting and having to find new people. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to try to be creative, maybe thinking out of the box when it comes to your entire package. Yeah, Most people are impacted by so much more than just the base salary. Yeah, people are impacted by time, the time you offer or, and that's not just vacation, but flexible schedules. I was so proud that having female led team, most of my immediate directors were also female and I was able to offer flexible schedules. I had a couple of senior management employees who were women and who worked heavy part-time schedules because of their obligations at home. Right. That was so valuable to them. It was worth the money. It it was a intangible, you might say. It was something that cost a lot of hard dollars, but it was amazing the loyalty that things like that built. And one of the things that's very near and dear to me and that I'm going to be working on myself is offering benefits that address the finances Mm. of your employees, not just focusing on your business finances, but employees tend to spend time at work thinking about the things that are bothering them, things that are stressing them. I can see that being very true. (laughs) they, They can't just turn that off the minute it's time to go to work. And I actually looked up a statistic that recently, early in 2023 was published that the estimated lost productivity in the US last year was $664 billion. That's crazy. It's insane. And I believe it was 82% of the employees admitted to being focused on their own financial issues during the workday when they're supposed to be working. And 
I can identify with this as mm-hmm. an executive at my credit union. I went through some really challenging financial circumstances mm-hmm. throughout my time there. And I personally know that I wasn't giving the same level of energy and productivity to my workday as I normally would have if I wasn't worried about all those things. That's a that's a big preoccupying thought. And I think at, at some point through the course of any of our lives, we're going to come across a, a personal financial hardship. Something unexpected happens in a relationship. You know, you go as women like, you know, we would all love to say we, we've been married to the same person like for our whole lives, but we go through divorces sometimes. Or I know back in 2011, I went through a big transition in my own business of dissolving an LLC and also a partnership as far as a business partnership. And, you know, there were a lot of financial things that shifted for me there. So I could totally see how Americans, you know, or people around the world, especially now, are preoccupied with those thoughts. But that number is quite staggering to think about that. And and that does trickle down to our small businesses, people that are employing smaller teams of local people, potentially, that are also thinking about their finances. So what are some ideas, I guess, that you have or kind of your thought processes on how we can help people who are working for us feel more confident, more secure in their space so that we have better productivity and better retention. Absolutely. First of all, it's not just big circumstances or big life changes that can cause this. A lot of people just weren't taught very well how to manage money on a daily, monthly, yearly basis. They don't teach it well in schools. We know that. Mm-hmm. And it really, a lot of times, boils down to how did you grow up and yeah. what was the philosophy around money in your home? Or did you have someone else in your life that helped show you great financial habits? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, people determine whether they think they're being paid fairly based on whether or not they have money left over at the end of the month or yeah. based on whether or not they feel like they're able to buy the new car, buy the new house, or whatever is their goal. And a lot of times that has really nothing to do with being underpaid as much as not managing it well and not using it to the best of your advantage. So for me, being able to help small employers, yeah, I know have such a challenge with yeah. trying to attract and retain staff and not just retain them as people, but to retain them as loyal employees who want to give their best to that company, mm-hmm. that feeling that, wow, my employer cares enough about me to offer something like this and yeah. to be really crystal clear and put it in practical terms. What I'm talking about are actual financial coaching sessions that are private mm-hmm. because the first thing many corporations do, big corporations who step into this space and in big corporations, they usually refer to it as corporate wellness. And Mm -hmm. so that's a higher level, big company term. They put on, they have someone come in and put on workshops. And the problem with that, although there might be some good information provided is people zone out, first of all, to be really honest, that most employees, if they're offered 
an hour or however long away from their desk. They'll take it. <laughs> They're going to take it. They might take a nap behind open eyes. They yeah. might they might go for the snacks or the free food that's provided, but they're not really there because they're planning to get a whole lot out of it. And there's another thing you could probably identify with from your experience. They're not going to ask a question. They're not going to admit in front of their peers that they have a money challenge or that they're concerned about something or that Certainly. they don't know how to handle something. It's yeah. not something they're going to talk about. Absolutely. Not, because you don't want your peers to know, but also you don't want your higher ups, your bosses to know. There's a lot of just, yeah, fear of perception and, and that type of environment. So you're absolutely right. Get yes. the free food and listen and get absolutely. your power off and get out. <laughs> yes. So I have done a couple of those. And it wasn't, I don't believe, super helpful for the employees. And it was not rewarding for me because I could tell that this was just a motion we were going through. But when I've taken the opportunity to be able to work with employees individually, and I do coach by Zoom, so it's not even necessary that they go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I try to make it convenient at times that are workable for them. Doing it privately confidentially allows them to open up. And oftentimes we can come up with solutions to problems that are really dragging them down in just one or two meetings. And I can offer advice, suggestions for various aspects, whether it's loans they're stuck in debt with or a goal that they have. And it just makes a huge difference. And if someone shows them how they can take what they currently make, what they currently mm -hmm. earn from that employer and be able to get to some of the goals that have been eluding them. Yeah. All of a sudden, they don't feel like they're underpaid anymore. And That's... in fact, what they really think is, I'm so grateful that my employer took the opportunity to actually put this in front of me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's great to remember because I think it is, it's very human nature for us to think if I had more, I could do more. And in some cases, maybe yes, but sometimes, you know, there, there was a rap song or <laughs> remember more money, more problems. Like there's not always a correlation between having more and like having less stress. I think that that's so true is, is the benefit back to that employer is just the perception from that employee that they are equipped and now they're equipped in knowledge too to be able to smartly use the resource that they have and be content in that. But I think more than that is just feel that somebody cared enough to make sure that they were able to take care of themselves and their families. And I think all of us just want, you know, whoever we work for, or if somebody works for us, I, we, every human wants to to know that they're thought of and cared for and that they're not just a number and a worker that doesn't make us feel valuable as humans so and i would i would love to give you one example that yeah. ties all this together if you have a woman that is juggling all the things with the family and the children but she needs she feels that she needs to work full time her productivity is probably not the greatest because she's probably the one getting all the calls from school when the kids need something, calling in sick when the kids are sick and mm -hmm. all the things she's stressed. The employer is probably not all that happy. And she feels like she would love to work part-time, 
and she would probably do a better job for you part-time, but there's no way she can afford to is her thought. Yeah. She needs that full-time dollars. So sometimes helping and coaching around money isn't just let's keep trying to get more and more money, Mm -hmm. but what if that employee could figure out a way to go down to a healthy part-time schedule, being just as impactful, assuming the employer had that type of thing available and get back that time. So she's not constantly feeling guilty between her obligations at home and her obligations at work. It literally now has rippled throughout the whole thing because the employer has just saved some money. Mm -hmm. They've increased their loyalty of that employee. And that has probably been seen by others as well. And most likely that employee is going to be very vocal about how pleased she is with that situation. And her life has greatly improved too, just by seeing how she actually can manage it. She can have the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I'm hearing is that a lot of what you're doing is helping employers open their eyes to seeing that there's value. Employees don't always just need a a pay raise, but that there's other things that are valuable to employees. Like you said, flexibility, uh, giving a birthday off. I think you told me at your credit union and like that that was something they did. It's something small, but it's Mm -hmm. thoughtful. It doesn't cost that much. It's a day, but trying to figure out, helping the employer figure out what is of actual value to their people and then helping the employees figure out what's of value to them. Because I think sometimes that gets muddled for them where they don't really sit down unless maybe they have someone like you that helps them break down, like what's causing stress in your life? You know, what is your highest priority? Because our priorities change throughout our work lives. I know mine have. I used to have no problem running appointments four or five days a week. And I could put in 11, 12 hour days because I was energetic and 20 something and it was fine. Like I didn't care if I worked every day and I don't really want to work like that anymore. Um, Now I value my flexibility. I think I have relationships I want to spend more time in. So I know that we all have seasons where things like that change, but I think it's really important what you're doing is helping both ends, both sides of that understand what's actually currently valuable to their people and the employee understand what they're actually seeking and how they can attain that. Absolutely. And I just presented a really fun, positive experience. But if I could just go to the dark side for one second. Yeah. Take us to the dark side. (laughs) As a preemptive, it's something that depending on the nature of the business, financial difficulties can also cause people to do things that they might otherwise not do. And Mm. so you do have the risk when you have employees who are really suffering under the weight of financial stress, depending on your business and depending on their position for things like that, things like misappropriation, all sorts of things on the dark side Obviously, once someone has shown that to be their situation, that's not the time to offer financial coaching, right? So you have once they've once they've committed a, a you know a crime is <laughs> not when you offer financial coaching. You have to deal with that much more. Severely. Yeah, but I think it, like you said, though, it's becoming aware that 
desperation. If someone feels desperate, potentially, and I could imagine a single mom, perhaps like that is trying to do all these things and be an employee that, like you said, desperation, stress can sometimes send people to a place where they wouldn't in their most confident and secure selves ever contemplate, but people go go into this survival mode sometimes. And you're right, it's too late at that point. But how can we mitigate that by helping them equip themselves before we get to a point of feeling like there's no other choice to put food on the table or feed my kid or get diapers on or whatever, except that I have to resort to crime. Exactly. It's a very old saying, I'm dating myself horribly right now, but the old saying, an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. So again, it's something that if you suspect that just based on the wages you're able to pay and the type of employees you have, that it might be really valuable and really helpful to them. I find that this can be one of the most Mm cost-effective benefits, not even entering in the increased productivity yeah. that you're likely to enjoy on the other side of that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that as just a great prevention tool is just to to kind of build that work culture that lets people know that that they care and might also open up the opportunity for someone to feel safe that if they are going through something that's unexpected or a hardship that they feel comfortable enough to speak to their employer and not hide that. I think that's so important is if you feel safe enough with somebody that's in charge of you to tell them like, I'm going through this thing, I'm struggling right now is that, you know, we can we can help people better when there's that open line of communication, but that has to come from the top down. People aren't just going to feel that. For sure. Communication is second only to my favorite saying knowledge is power. So communication is so huge, whether it's in that employer employee dynamic. Yeah. And circling back to the banking side of things too, when you're dealing with anything with banks, loans, all those kind of things, it's the same thing, whether you're personal or business related, communication always is so important. And a lot of people tend to put their head in the sand when something is tough. And sometimes it's going to be much more difficult on the back end to dig yourself out of that hole then absolutely if, if you communicate it up front things yes yes so much better certainly so christine is there a way that if there is an employer that's interested in offering this type of service to their employees that they can reach out to you and is this only for people that live in the state of florida where we are or is this something that you could do across different locations states I do all of my coaching virtually. Okay. So I am absolutely able to do this across states. I hail from New York State. Now I'm located physically in Florida, but I'm able to have meetings with employers by Zoom. I absolutely love coaching by Zoom. I coach all of my clients, even my private clients by Zoom. And it really does foster a good environment. They can be in the place that they're most comfortable. They're able to share well. So that is a, that is absolutely a capability. Okay. And so then the best way to contact you would be how? I have a Facebook page for my business, which is Cornerstone Financial Coaching that 
has the ability to message me. I also have a contact option through my website, which is cornerstonemoneycoach.com. And from there, you can also get links to my other, I have Instagram, I have all the things, but the two that are probably the easiest and they're all going to get to me is the website and Facebook. Excellent. This was excellent information. And I love for this just, I don't know, this thought process of just getting really creative with how we can offer benefits that maybe we've never thought of in um, our small businesses for retention and just keeping people happy and wanting to work for us and building a very strong work culture while we're small, which can only, you know, strengthen as we grow. So this was really informative. And I think is very eye opening for people to start thinking outside the box of how they can compete, like you said, with maybe bigger companies that you feel like, oh, they can offer all these grand benefits and corporate benefits. But people are looking sometimes for for small things. And so this is a great conversation to help guide people into how they can be thinking about leveraging benefits in their small business. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing all your knowledge. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. I love talking about money. I love talking about coaching and I love talking about banking. So yeah, Christine uh, smiles. I know you all have to love it. She smiles while she talks about money, but I just know it comes from a, a place of like truly caring about helping people with that. And it's something that you've, you've been doing for such a long time. And so Thank you. And I would encourage anyone listening that is in the process of thinking about growing and scaling and hiring staff, or you already have staff, is to to contact Christine, set up a consultation, and learn a little bit more about how they can offer this service. Thanks so much. Thank you, Geneva. It was a pleasure as always. Thanks for tuning in to Her Business Beat. I hope you found some sunshine for your business journey or heard something that made your purpose pulse beat faster. Please hit subscribe, write us a review, and share this episode with a friend. Tune back in for new episodes soon.